Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. So hey, welcome back to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We're glad you're here. Yeah. And um, I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. We're here today to experience a grace that heals. And we're doing part two of Alicia Wilder's story of grace. Absolutely. Alicia is from Alpine, Utah, and she told us some of her story growing up, LDS, reading the Bible and figuring out that this might be a different gospel and maybe even a different God yep. and having a real heart for a new life. And then Alicia said she'd return with us and talk about the cost of following the Jesus right. of the Bible. Alicia, welcome. Yes, <laughs> and I think as you said toward the end of the last episode, at least I hope it made it on, you said, grace is always free, mm-hmm. but it also comes with a cost. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important that people realize because grace is amazing, mm-hmm. but anything of value comes with a cost. And so God's grace is no less that. So um, let's just, let's pick up with your story with sure. that cost aspect. With, yeah. um, because at this point, you've decided to follow Jesus. You've come into personal relationship with Jesus. You've realized that what you were taught um, as part of your previous LDS background wasn't squaring with what you were just reading and studying on your own in the New Testament. And so you make this decision to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you kind of kick up (laughs) there. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, it was kind of a slow process like we talked in the other show. But by by the point where I got to the decision making, right? Right. (laughs) Like either you can fake it in both worlds or you have to make a decision. So Exactly. um, I'm not a faking type of person, so <laughs> so it it was tough. It was it was the point where if if I foresee the future and I'm predicting what's going to happen, if I truly want to stay on this path that I've come <laughs> come to know and and follow Jesus and and rely on Him, that means that I'm going to have to confront my family. And it's like generational Mormons, born and raised, settled in Utah. Right. I have to confront them and like, not just my personal family, but family of family. Right. Um, I had a job that was well, um, like career orienting and managing. And, now, at um, that point, were you still a student at BYU? Because you said that you've been taking New mm-hmm. Testament classes, so you're still you're a student yeah, at BYU. Yeah, I'm a student at BYU while I have a good job and doing managing for 
a, you know, a wedding catering event place, and that's a big thing in Mormonism, right? So the owners of that were Mormon. Um, we had interesting Mormon discussions, you know, throughout mm -hmm. this transition of mine. Um, but like all of my high school friends, the whole community is like 99% Mormons. Right. And I love these people and they're my friends and my family and and even my mother-in-law here. Like I would, <laughs> I was would very come, LDS at the yes, time. <laughs> I would come to her office and we'd go to lunch and have conversations. And at one point I had to just kind of shut my mouth so I wouldn't be offending anymore, you know, just mm -hmm. not realizing what I learned, what I was learning was, it was slowly changing my heart, but it wasn't ready to be put in someone else's face yet, right. <laughs> you know? So, so mm -hmm. even that relationship was something I had to kind of give up for a little while, and um, and. Okay, I'm I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna stop here because sure. I know my friends who don't have a lot of understanding about Mormon culture, Mormon religion, they're gonna be saying, "Well, wait, why you're just following Jesus? You're just following the New Testament." Doesn't the Mormon Church have the Bible as part of its scripture? I mean, they're the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. Why would this cause an issue? Why would you're deciding to follow Jesus and understand the New Testament? Why would that be a problem? Wouldn't they be happy that you were going deeper with Jesus in the New Testament? Now, I personally know the answer to that, <laughs> sure. but I just I know that the listeners who may not have that orientation, that's what they're going to be thinking. It's like, why would there be a cost? Mm -hmm. You know, you're concerned about your parents. You're concerned about your, at that, she wasn't your mother-in-law. She was your yeah, boyfriend's. Yeah, future mother-in-law. Yeah. Maybe at that point. Mom. <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe speak to that a little bit to sure. them to help them understand why this would be an issue. Well, at the beginning, it was, it was like this relationship with Jesus was fine to them because they thought they have a relationship with they do they personally right. want to have some sort of relationship with God and what I was seeking was a relationship with God so it wasn't an issue at that point but the deeper I came to understand the Jesus in the Bible he became very alive and very full of grace and very full of love but also very powerful and um very clear in what his truth specifically is. Okay. And the truth that I learned that he says is his didn't line up exactly with what Mormons consider truth. So there's an exclusivity to Jesus, the Jesus you're coming to know, mm -hmm. that says you're not going to be able to have everything in both worlds. Right. And you've hit on the exact frustration with Micah's parents when he got kicked off his Mormon mission. We could not figure out because we believed the Mormons had the same God as the Bible and the same Jesus of the Bible. If he's professing the Jesus of the Bible, why is he in so much trouble? Why are you trying to excommunicate him? Right. Those were all new ideas to us that this might not be the same gospel, might not be the same okay. God. Yeah, I think the the biggest difference coming to understand it is that as someone who's learning about grace, grace was free. Right. Yeah, and Mormonism taught me 
I'm saved by grace after all that I can do. So working everything that I can do had to be done first in order to accept that grace. And that working can only be done within the context Mm -hmm. of the Mormon church. Right. It's within the context of its priesthood authority, within Mm -hmm. the context of its temple and ordinances and all that. And that's true for all performance-based religions, that the salvation comes through the organization and their authority, right? So then what you're saying is the real problem comes when all of a sudden you're saying this organization is no longer necessary to Mm -hmm. me. In fact, some of the things this organization is saying I need to have for relationship with God, I really don't. And Jesus is saying he's enough, and so if I'm going to go with Jesus, then by default yeah <laughs> I, I can't I can't do this and right. you're saying that's then where the issue becomes because your default, parents and they're yeah. saying well no this is important this is crucial this is key okay wow so so let me give a thought here so one of my studyings I got to a point where I'm thinking Mormonism mindset Family is forever. Family is most important. This relationship we have with one another and with God. Yes, higher tier. Mormonism. So, I get to the words of Jesus. He says, Don't think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son, daughter, more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And that to me was like (laughs) jaw-dropping. Wow, this Jesus that I thought that I knew and held on to in Mormonism is telling me that family is not the most important thing, that he is the most important thing. And that if we're willing to lose our life, that we know, whatever that may be or however that may look, that he's most important and that he's worth it. Wow. So, so okay. So division. going back, right? <laughs> yes. So going back to then to the cost. So mm-hmm. you've got a scholarship at BYU. You've got a yeah. great job. You've got friends and family. How does this cost start to play out then? As you um, make these decisions, how how do you work? How do you walk through this potential minefield? With a lot of heartache, I guess. No. I mean, so can you so can you share what happened? Sure. Yeah, with me personally, um, I was able to hold on to faith and hope that God had my back. Okay. (laughs) Because I had come to the point where I really knew that He was there. Um, Right. So at this point, um, I'm confronting the costs, and I'm confronting my family, and I. I have to make this life-altering decision to leave 
Mormon country and moved to Florida, which is, like, growing up, my mom lived across the street from her mom and, like, around the corner, and then we moved down the street, and, like, you lived in the same place that your family was, so you mm. always had this family support system. Right. Right? And wow. so then for me to say, I'm going to just move all the way across the country <laughs> was, like, mind-blowingly scary for me because I, I really was just doing it on faith. Like, I have faith that this place I'm going to live in will be fine and that I'm going to be capable of working for a room there in a bed and breakfast and that I'm going to have a home and that that it's all going to work out and that I'm going to let go of my hopes and dreams of becoming a architect or engineer, interior designer, and all that stuff that I was going to school for. And and leaving a job that I had a secure income coming through to pay for things right. and and all of that. But besides the family relationships, right, just the world, like, safety and security mindset that, like, I just right. had to... <laughs> I, I was willing enough to, to know that God wanted me somewhere else, that I was... I don't know. He gave me the courage and the strength okay. to just trust yeah. that that's where I needed to be and to just have faith. And he made it clear that this was the direction to go. He it yes. was like, okay, Alicia, mm -hmm. if you're going to follow me, you follow me to Florida. Right, because I, I was presented with the cost in those scriptures that, like, what what am I willing to give up in my life? Am I willing to let go of my eternal security, my... Um, peace and hope and newfound freedom in Jesus or am I going to be willing to let go of family and friends and you know house and job and school it's like because if I if I give up Jesus for those things I'm not following his word then it's, <laughs> I've, I've gained the world and lost my yeah, soul and lost my soul and so that was kind of you know the winning battle was like the cost of losing Jesus for everything else that I had was not worth it to me. Right. And that's, and I think, was, goes back yeah. to where you were saying either this episode or the previous, because I'm not sure what we've covered where, but where you said at a point it really becomes a non-decision mm -hmm. where it is so clear when you weigh the two costs, the one versus the other. It, okay, this is a no-brainer. Why would I hang on to all this that's temporal and lose all of this that's eternal. Mm -hmm. So really, yeah. And I think that's what you were saying before, right? So when, when you realize, yeah. when you understand what's really at stake, eternally versus temporally, all of a sudden, those creature comforts, that material security and significance and even family relationships pale in comparison with the depth of the richness of the relationship with Jesus. And that's more where my brain would have been than eternal life at that point. I mean, eternal life is a wonderful thing to think about in the future, but in the here and now, Jesus had become so real and so large for me that there was no walking away from from a relationship like none other you'd ever experienced in your life and like none other you ever would experience mm -hmm. again. And that includes family relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, we just had that same thought and idea in, in Galatians, it talks about, 
those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, but he also says, for freedom Christ has set you free. So I had, I had found that freedom because I had found Christ and I knew who he was. And, and then he says, so don't submit again to that yoke of slavery that you came out of. And so that's the reality of that decision making. It almost mm-hmm. becomes too clear that like I don't want to be in this slavery and I have freedom why would I let that go so you make the move yeah (laughs) you walk away from everything yeah um what and that okay that was how long ago so put us into time context now sure well that was 13 years ago, almost, okay. this, this month, December. <laughs> wow, yes, because we're in December. So. And what yeah. changed? Um, in that 12 years, 13 years, or? <laughs> what the before and the after with Jesus. Before and the after. Um, I think it's helpful for people to know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I would say, so any regrets? 13 years later, looking back, any regrets at counting the cost and making the choice you did? No, I mean, I probably would have been a little more tactful had I maybe been a little more mature in Jesus and how I presented it to my family. But at the mm. age I was 19 and just trying to figure it out myself and just being like, God's telling me to do this, I just have to do it. Um, coming to my family and saying what I know is the reality of Jesus and I know that it's not what you taught me. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a difficult thing to tell somebody because it's not like, oh, I'm just going to run off to the world and be sinful so I don't want your religiosity. It's like I, I'm telling them that the Jesus they believe in is not enough because I know the reality of Jesus. Yeah. <coughs> and that's a much harder message to hear as a parent. Yeah. As a parent of eight kids myself, adults... It yeah, would be so much it, it'd be easier. Go? Yeah. It'd yeah. be easier to hear, you know what, I'm just done with religion in general, so this may be nice for you guys, but I'm gonna go as opposed to and well no, I think that your religious path and trajectory isn't the true one. I'm choosing what I've found to be that's where I can understand yeah. the parent says, I'd rather you be an atheist than Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was the only thing that I So think yeah. I you know, at a young age trying to figure out how to speak oh, that'd be so Christian, hard to verbalize, you know, verbalize that. my Christian faith. It was just finally coming to fruition and finally making sense in my heart to then tell my family why was probably the only thing I regret that I couldn't have told them better. Right. <laughs> so as you've worked at restoring relationship with your parents, um, with other people, what is it that God has taught you? What what have you learned through this process that you'd want somebody who's maybe a little bit further back on mm-hmm. the path to know? Um, well, first, that God promises us something, right? He says, yes. if you're willing to leave anything for his sake, you know, in Matthew 19, that we'll receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. And he's not unwilling to bless us if we follow him, right? He wants to bless us. He wants to give gifts to his children. He wants to encourage their life to be lived out for his sake. Mm -hmm. Um, So having left certain things like a college career and, you know, paths and um, 
jobs and different things, I've seen how God has changed the life that I have here to accommodate and to fit and to, you know, be utilizing the skills and the talents that he had given me a long time ago, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. He had worked, he had, you know, instilled these things in who I am, but but in a totally different way now. And so part of what I've learned, and I'll read, um, is that we have to be crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah. So we, we are crucified. We die to who we were and the old life and the old person that I was and the old way of thinking, the mindset and the insecurities and all of that were, were put to, to rest in Jesus. And now I don't have to be worried or ashamed or afraid or feel those, those concerns because I can have peace in who he is, right? And right. that's part of learning and becoming this new creation that he wants us to be. Um, he says that he... Um, you know, we're in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus because he's made us this new creation. Romans so, 8. Mm-hmm. Amazing chapter. So... I want to go back to the very beginning mm-hmm. of your story. And you said one of the things that started that triggered your whole journey was you were working so hard within a performance-based religion and you were actually anybody looking from the outside in would have said Alicia's doing it. She's pulling it off and yet you said there was this incredible emptiness and lack of fulfillment and a sense of unworthiness. How has all that changed now mm. with Jesus? That's a good question, <laughs> <Perfect>. Joel. <laughs> yeah, well it's totally different. Like I said, that old way of thinking and feeling has died, but it's been replaced by the sufficiency and the security and the comfort of who Jesus is. Because learning and understanding grace, I understand that it's not on my shoulders anymore, right? It's not my burden to carry anymore. And that Christ already did all of that for me. So to kind of tie it all together, the cost, once I came to understand what grace meant and accepting in my life, being willing to give up the old life, give up the old things, old family, everything else, and and accept Jesus and live by faith and walk out his direction in my life, the alternative would be to reject him, right? Right. If I didn't, well, if I didn't accept him, then I would be rejecting that that gift that he's giving me, rejecting the cross, rejecting what he offered freely that had that had given me this security and this peace and this comfort. And rejecting that would have just been putting all of that burden back onto myself and all that shame and the guilt and the unworthiness because God tells us plainly that none of us are worthy and none of us can be right. because the purpose was for Jesus to come and take that for us. Right. And take our place. So 
He becomes our perfection. Mm -hmm. He becomes our worthiness. To me, it's a really cool thing to wake up every morning and know that as I wake up and get out of bed, regardless of the day before, what the day is going to be, when God looks at me, he can say the same thing of me that he said of his son. This is Joel, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Mm. Not because how well I pull it off, but because of how well Jesus did. Yeah. And to have that. So it sounds like that's what you've experienced. Mm -hmm. You've experienced God saying, this is Alicia, my daughter, who I love and mm -hmm. who I'm well pleased. And it's not based on your performance no, anymore. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I just show grace and um, humility and thankfulness to him because it is all of his doing. And it's nice to know that it's being visible by other people now because even family members of my own who are not, you know, not in grace yet, and they're still, <laughs> they're still kind of living through that Mormonism mindset with simple, you know, trusting, naive hearts, that they're able to even see and ask me, what makes you so happy? Like, why, why have you found happiness and I cannot or I have not yet? Wow. So that's been a good tool for me to be able to share God's spirit with them. Yes, those are cool goodness. God questions. Well, and, and I think one of the saddest things about performance-based religions is that people don't realize that insofar as they're committed to that performance-based religious system, whatever it is, whether they realize it or not, they are rejecting God. They are rejecting the free, the free gift of grace and they're they're stiff they're keeping God at an arm's distance when he wants to pull them in and draw them mm -hmm. in and they don't even know it. That's yeah. yeah, I was hoping you were gonna say that at the end. They don't know it. I right. didn't know it. And right. no one ever told me. Micah often says in his testimony, I was nineteen years old before someone shared the gospel with me and I'm thinking I was like fifty four, you know. Yeah. Maybe I'd heard it, but it didn't resonate. Right. Which, is, which again is why this is about a grace that heals. This is about compassion. This is about intimate relationships, both at a horizontal as well as a mm -hmm. vertical level. And even though we talk about performance-based religious groups, it's not to put them down in so much as we want people to recognize mm -hmm. what they're missing yeah. by not having Jesus. Amen. And, <laughs> and Alicia, thank you so much for making that clear. What and, a dear heart, right? Yeah, what and a dear you, woman you know, with a heart for God. I, I love her. She's say, my daughter-in-law. It's gonna be really personal for you to have, you know, your daughter-in-law and have it is. this awesome. relationship restored. So, yeah, okay. I love it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We hope you'll join us next time for another conversation devoted to taking your life and relationships to another level of healing. You may connect with us and leave your questions, comments, plus find the show notes at unveilinggracepodcast.com. That's unveilinggracepodcast.com, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.